I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to a mini episode of Cinematic Universe, the podcast that's all about comic book movies, brought to you by filmdivider.com. I'm your host, Joe Cunningham, and I'll be bringing you a truncated version of the show to bridge the gap between our Ghost Rider and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles episodes. On today's show, I'll give you my reactions to the comic that James recommended me on last week's podcast, which was the first four issues of 1990's Danny Ketch, Ghost Rider. And in addition to that, I'll finally be reacting to Charlie Cox's Daredevil recommendation, which was the eight-issue miniseries End of Days. But before we get to those, let's take a look at some of the comic book movie news that has broken over the past week. Okay, it's actually pretty light on news this week, um, and there's a couple of reasons why. Uh, So, much of what I've seen reported online recently has been leaked set pictures from films like Civil War and Suicide Squad. And personally, I think those range from the uninteresting to the overly spoilery. And so, for podcast purposes, I'll be ignoring them. Um, If you're desperate for set images, then look them up online but that's not what we want to do on here and also i think we're in a little bit of a lull before ant-man and fantastic four ramp up for release and as we're going through the kind of the end of the current tv season but all that being said the news items that we do have are pretty substantial and um some of them are pretty exciting so first up is the news that fox are officially moving ahead with a spin-off from their x-men franchise with the new mutants the Fulton R. Stars director Josh Boone will direct the movie and co-write with Nate Gwaltney, who penned the upcoming Halle Berry thriller Kidnap. Um, as expected, and as per usual for the X-Men franchise, uh, Simon Kinberg and Lauren Shuler Donner will produce. Um, Josh Boone is a busy man. He's supposed to be working on an epic two-part adaptation of Stephen King's The Stand, and has also been linked to Anne Rice's The Vampire Chronicles. Uh, So we'll have to wait and see which of these projects takes precedence. Boone has, though, been showing off his X-Men cred to his Twitter followers, and we'd assume Fox have a specific date in mind for this project, so maybe it will be The New Mutants. There's no details yet on which characters may feature, or whether any existing screen mutants will spin off into this movie from the main X-Men franchise Um, but it is worth noting that in the dark future of days of future past we saw a few new mutants in the form of blink sunspot and warpath Um, and while i don't think those actors will be reprising their roles it's interesting that brian singer has bedded them in ahead of this it is upfront season in the TV world, which means that US networks have been announcing their schedules for the next season and presenting first looks at their new shows to advertisers. And that meant we got our first look at Supergirl in the form of a six-minute trailer. And if you spend any time over the last week on the internet, then you'll know what happened next. After the reaction to Supergirl, James Seb and I all independently wrote about the trailer for Den of Geek, Panel Beats and Film Divider respectively. Um, we'll put links to all of those pieces on the podcast post. So I won't go too deeply into our reactions other than to say that personally 
I really liked the look of it. I thought Melissa Benoist looked fantastic, and it reminded me of two shows that I really like, which are The Flash and Lois and Clark. It could still be rubbish, this is just a trailer, but I'm encouraged by what I've seen so far, and I just don't want to let the choice of a music track on a trailer designed for advertisers sway me on that. So yeah, I'm super looking forward to Supergirl. Also in superhero TV trailers for shows I'm looking forward to uh, was Legends of Tomorrow. And now we finally know what that kind of crazy nutball show is about. So the Flash and Arrow come together in the trailer to assemble a team consisting of a range of their previous friends and foes. So there is one half of Firestorm, the Atom, Hawkgirl, Captain Cold and Heatwave, and the resurrected Sarah Lance now going by White Canary. A time-travelling villain named Vandal Savage is going to be the baddie in this series, um, and he is attempting to destroy the world and time itself, which prompts Arthur Darville's Rip Hunter to travel back in time to now to assemble the team, who he'll then go hopping around in time with to try and thwart Vandal Savage. If you haven't seen the trailer, it looks absolutely as bonkers as it sounds when I'm describing it here, and possibly one of the most comic-booky TV shows of all time. Sign me up, I'm totally in. Um, We should probably pay some lip service briefly to the Lucifer trailer, which also may potentially be the last time we mention Lucifer on this show, because despite it being based on a comic book property, the show's comic book credentials look thin to say the least um tom ellis is staying plummy and british to play the titular anti-hero um, while he looks perfectly interesting in the trailer the rest of the show doesn't maybe constantine fans might be interested in another supernatural police procedural on television uh, but if it is as bad as seb suggested it was based on the script he read then again they might not And finally, while a trailer for Heroes Reborn played to advertisers at Upfronts, NBC have opted against releasing it to the public to date. There are reports of what was included in the trailer, though, from those who were at the Upfront event, and it apparently picks up sometime in the future after the events of the end of the first run of Heroes, which ended with the existence of superpowers being revealed to the world at large. And the trailer mentions that by now, all of those with superpowers are either dead or in hiding. Um, Zachary Levi's character is revealed to be a villain whose aim is to kill all of the remaining super-powered characters. So it sounds like the show that was, to begin with, very much riffing on X-Men is now riffing on the dark future versions of X-Men. That could be really good, but the big test for Heroes Reborn is going to be whether viewers will still care enough about the brand now after interest, frankly, soured the first time around but it's really going to need viewers to care if it wants to stick around for more than 13 episodes because I can't imagine this is going to be a cheap show. But we'll have to wait until September to see all of those shows, except for Legends of Tomorrow, which we're going to have to wait for January for. (laughs) Okay, let's move on now to discussing this week's comic book recommendations. Okay, well, let's begin with Ghost Rider. So this was Ghost Rider issues one to four from the 1990 run of the comics, which comes from Howard Mackey and Javier Salteras. And so this is this is kind of an introduction to the Danny Ketch Ghost Rider. And I have to admit, I was kind of thrown by how self-contained this was in the first place, which is a kind of a weird thing to say. But I, I got so used to the like complex continuity of comics and so knowing that they're knowing what little i did about ghost rider from the movies and knowing that johnny blaze was a ghost rider and a ghost rider who'd been used on the page before danny ketch 
I was almost like uh, thrown a little bit that Danny Ketch was introduced as just here's Danny Ketch and something bad happens, which is that his sister is speared through the chest um, in a brutal and like quite arrestingly unpleasant scene right at the start. And as they're being pursued by bad guys, he goes and hides uh, in a place where he finds the Ghost Rider bike and kind of touches a cap on the bike and is transformed into the Ghost Rider, which is not the origin. No, it's not, you know, there's no deal with the devil. I didn't, so I was expecting to see that, and I, I was almost thrown that it never happened. I was expecting some acknowledgement that he wasn't the first Ghost Rider, or, but maybe he is. This is before Johnny Blaze, I don't know, but there's no mention of Johnny Blaze and no mention of deals with the devil, which I think is actually probably really clean, and this would be maybe a great introduction to... Ghost Rider before even watching the movies because this is just hey here's this character here's what he is he's the spirit of vengeance he is someone that the hero transforms into he has a motorbike and he goes around taking vengeance on those that attack the innocent but essentially what kicks into motion uh, the events in this comic is that Danny Ketch is in um, a graveyard on Halloween with his sister um, his sister who's great and she kind of like when they run into this gang of kids, she's the one who kicks them ass and gets rid of them. Danny's a bit of a wimp. But then they stumble across a deal that is going on between uh, two nefarious groups. And there is a villain there called Death Watch who is in a mask and he is trying to obtain this briefcase which has unknown items in it. Except because Danny and his sister are there and because the other gang of kids are there, stuff starts going wrong. And it ends up with Danny's sister being injured and the other kids running off with the uh, with the briefcase with the canisters in, um, and this canister is a big old MacGuffin, which it turns out that not only Death Watch wants, but also Kingpin. Uh, which was very exciting. I'm getting lots of Kingpin in lots of different comics at the moment because he showed up in Hawkeye, he shows up in this, um, he's he's in the second recommendation, which we'll get to. And I love Kingpin showing up in things. Um, I think he might be my favourite comic book villain at this point. And what's kind of great is that he pretty much plays the hero role here because the Ghost Rider isn't a hero per se, so by the end of the four issues, you kind of walk away going, hmm, was Kingpin the good guy here? But so the, this MacGuffin of the briefcase that has three canisters inside, the three canisters are basically going to be used to unleash some toxins over all of New York and kill a whole bunch of people. And Death Watch has this power that he can touch people and read their recent memories, but like kind of sinking his fingers into their skulls. Um, and it's supposedly very painful for the people he does it to. And also he's just a like really unpleasant. Like he sends people after the kids in this and they just murder them. Like there was, there were just flat out murders and horrible, unpleasant things going on here that I kind of wasn't expecting, but it is, it is effective on the page. And the worst guy that he sends after them is a villain called Blackout who basically like sucks the light out of the rooms and then just murders people to get the information that he needs. And so the, the story basically is very simple that Death Watch and um, Kingpin are both trying to get hold of the canisters. Death Watch because he wants to unleash these toxins and Kingpin because he wants to protect his city. Like he doesn't want the people in his city to be killed because that's, you know, that goes against... Uh, what he believes and it would also go against his business if all his customers were dead so Kingpin's trying to stop him but then all the while whenever bad stuff is happening Danny Ketch is transforming into Ghost Rider and going and using his pen and stare 
um, to thwart them, which is which is pretty cool. And it was it's it's a really good introduction to this character, and it's um it's a comic that I ended up enjoying a lot more than I thought I would. I didn't think I was going to enjoy Ghost Rider comics. I don't think I'd have ever picked up a Ghost Rider comic out of choice if it hadn't have happened for this podcast. But I could actually see myself continuing reading Ghost Rider after this. I mean, I probably won't because I've got so many other things that I'm trying to read at the moment and so many recommendations that I get through the podcast. But I could see maybe when we get back to Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance being like, oh, hey, yeah, brilliant, throw two more Ghost Rider recommendations at me. And I would be happy to see Ghost Rider show up in other comics that I'm reading because I think the, the character, certainly this Danny Ketch version of the character on the page, is interesting that he's kind of just like a nice average kid who gets this thing thrust upon him and there is no there's no sense with him that he's made any deal or anything it's just it's just something that's happened to him but it becomes particularly interesting in the fourth issue because basically the the whole canister MacGuffins is sorted by the end of the third issue Ghost Rider's Hellfire is able to immobilize them in some way so they can't be used Death Watch goes away Blackout actually reveals himself to be more of a flat-out villain than Death Watch kind of by the end and he tries to get hold of the uh, canisters but Ghost Rider defeats him, doesn't kill him, so both of those characters can be back, and I I, um, I find them both sufficiently unpleasant and villainous that I would like to read more of them. But yeah, the fourth issue kind of picks up, and it's just a one-off story where Ghost Rider finds himself up against uh, Mr. Hyde, who I know because he is played uh, excellently by Carl McLaughlin on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., and I don't think he's a particularly interesting villain. He's a, you know, he's a guy who can transform into a monster like Jekyll and Hyde. But it's quite cool that he's quite dismissive of Ghost Rider and kind of is like, I I fought against Thor and Hulk and Captain America and you're like, who are you? Should I fear you more? And Ghost Rider just looks at him and says, yes, <laughs> which is pretty cool. Um, and the showdown basically only ends up with Mr. Hyde running away. But what's nice about that issue is that Danny kind of, he's already by this point sick of being Ghost Rider and kind of takes the bike away, thinking that if he can get rid of the bike, he can stop turning into Ghost Rider because... He's kind of repelled by the actions that Ghost Rider takes when he becomes Ghost Rider. And he has memories of it and he has knowledge of it, but he just doesn't have any control. Uh, So he tries to take that control, but as soon as trouble presents itself to him, he decides, oh, no, wait, I need my bike and I need to become Ghost Rider to stop this thing happening. So it's quite an interesting idea early on that, yeah, maybe Danny doesn't want to be Ghost Rider and doesn't particularly like it, but he's already acknowledging the usefulness of it. Okay, let's move on now to the recommendation that I was given by Charlie Cox, Daredevil himself, which is End of Days, an eight-issue miniseries from Brian Michael Bendis, David Mack, Klaus Janssen, and Bill Sienkiewicz. And End of Days is a miniseries that imagines what would happen in the future if Daredevil died. And it comes from Bendis and Mack after they finished their run of Daredevil. Um, So I think it actually only wrapped up uh, in 2013, so it's relatively recent. And as you probably know... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You've been listening to the podcast for a while. I, after reading Guardian Devil 
started tentatively reading more Daredevil comics, um, and I've worked my way from Guardian Devil through to the start of Bendis and Max Run. So this was this was very interesting to me in in a, a probably a, a slightly muted way. I think it probably would be a lot more interesting having read the entire Bendis and Max Run and then reading it. But still, uh, I was intrigued by so much of the content of this comic, and especially intrigued that Charlie Cox recommended me an eight-issue comic book where Daredevil is only really on the first couple of pages because he dies, he's killed, there's no twist. Daredevil is dead on the front cover of the first issue and is dead in the first issue. It's That's just the status quo for this comic. This is the end of Daredevil. But rather than like spending the last couple of days of Daredevil's life with him, it's framed by Ben Urick, who is uh, a character that I really, really like every time I see him pop up. Um, he is kind of trying to write the last story on Daredevil to try and sum up what he meant to people and what were the circumstances surrounding his death and there are kind of two mysteries associated with his death one is daredevil's last word he says mapone just before he dies uh, and we don't know whether that's a thing whether it's a person what whether it's a, a veiled cryptic reference to something else it's a citizen cane riff it's you know that one it's the rosebud that one final word that that could mean something hugely important or it could mean something insignificant but it probably means a lot to the daredevil character which is why ben Yurik has to find it out and so this series kind of plays like a classic noir with this old school journalist heading around all the dark corners of hell's kitchen visiting a, a kind of greatest hits lineup of daredevil characters to try and piece together what daredevil meant to new york and what mapone meant and why he died and it bears mentioning as well that he dies at the hands of bullseye and kind of bullseye has almost won the fight and with his dying breath daredevil says mapone and then in a rage bullseye kills him so is it something that means something to bullseye as well or so that's that's the one mystery running through the comic but the other mystery is that although we know daredevil is dead there is still a daredevil running around new york the mystery is is that another daredevil or is that is that still matt murdoch in some way what's what's going on there but so ben urick goes around new york he uh, visits Nick Fury because he wants to get to Black Widow because he knows the relationship that Matt had with uh, Natasha Romanova and Fury reveals that Black Widow is dead and says that he doesn't know anything about Mapone at Matt's funeral Ben tracks down Elektra we then find out a bit more about Bullseye and I'm just going to go into full spoiler mode here for the rest of the comic so if you if you do eventually want to read it unspoiled then stop listening now <laughs> but uh, he goes and visits Bullseye who by that point is dead uh, presumably has committed suicide we find out a little bit more about Kingpin through the kind of the filled in history the fleshed out history that Ben gives us about Daredevil's last five or six years in New York uh, which reveals that Matt as Daredevil, murdered Kingpin, which is hugely important. Uh, he visits Purple Man, who is killed by the Punisher. He visits the Owl, who is killed by the Punisher. He visits Echo, Typhoid Mary, who's a character I'm not really familiar with. Um, he visits Punisher himself in jail. Uh, and then there is a bit of Spider-Man at the end, and also characters like Turk and Gladiator. So this is really like a greatest hits of all of these great... All these characters who have meant some, something to Daredevil throughout the Bendis and Mac run, and probably to an extent earlier, because I've only read a, a tiny little bit of Med Bendis and Mac, but actually I think I've read a crucial bit, which I'll get to. So Ben explains that in the five years previously that Daredevil had 
basically ousted Kingpin from New York and taken over as a Kingpin of New York, but not as a Kingpin of crime, as a kind of Kingpin just wanting to run New York in a better way. But then Kingpin finds a way to come back and Daredevil confronts him and says, look, leave or I'll kill you. And he won't leave. So Daredevil, flat out in public, murders Kingpin. And Ben is stressing this to his son, his adopted son, Timmy, how bad that is that Daredevil doesn't kill, that heroes don't kill. And that that was kind of just such a watershed moment for Daredevil that he fled. And basically for five years he hadn't been seen until Bullseye returned. So Daredevil returned to fight him and was killed. And it's fascinating kind of filling in this this history of Daredevil. And I'm not sure how much of that actually ever happened in Bendis and Max run because I haven't got to the end of it. But it's very indicative of the kind of the stuff that I liked early on with Bendis and Mac. And particularly in relation to Timmy. Because the first Bendis story of Daredevil that I've read is all about Ben Urick and Timmy and Timmy's dad being a villain who goes missing after a fight with Daredevil um, and Ben trying to get to the bottom of it and in the end Ben adopting Timmy because he comes from such like a, a toxic background that he will have a better life with Timmy and it's a really amazing story and the artwork is so impressive um, and there was something that struck me reading End of Days all the way through that not only did it seem like a greatest hits for Daredevil and da- Daredevil characters but it also did for the artwork like there was there was pages that went into little different styles when you when different characters were on the page and um, yeah I, I mean I'm I'm so far from an expert on comic book artwork because I mean uh, basically what I bring to this is you know I I, I love storytelling and story construction uh, and character stuff so I like to see that stuff on the page and how it's explored and seeing how it's done through art is kind of a new experience for me um, but this is a really really beautiful book like Ghost Rider I, I thought was, you know it's fine functional early 90s artwork but End of Days is gorgeous from start to finish and there are some like splash pages peppered throughout the issues um like they open most of the issues and they're incredible i just loved looking at this uh the page that introduces the purple man is is gorgeous and the the pages with echo um riff on uh the art that i'd seen in an earlier echo story so that was cool as well so yeah i really liked all of that and there's not there's not a huge amount of action it's all kind of just characters in rooms talking and peeling away layers and while while we are getting more and more information about daredevil we don't ben doesn't really i feel ever feel like he's getting any closer to what mapone is or who the new daredevil is and the new daredevil reveals himself and saves ben urich on a couple of occasions but we don't find out who he is the closest we get is in a great issue where Ben goes to visit the Punisher in jail. And I've never read a comic with the Punisher and Daredevil on the page together. Um, I'm very keen to do so because their relationships are fascinating just from the stuff I got here, which was that they are two very similar guys, but one of them fundamentally believes in killing and the other one fundamentally doesn't. And Punisher's kind of glee at the fact that Daredevil finally resorted to killing someone with the Kingpin is really great. And the Punisher seems to hint that he knows something about Mapone uh, before he 
before he then escapes from jail. And it's a great issue. And it was the, the one moment in this run that reminded me of reading All-Star Superman, this kind of miniseries tribute to everything that you like about a character. And it specifically reminded me because the Punisher in jail sequence was very much like the Lex in jail sequence in All-Star Superman. There's, I mean, they probably couldn't be more tonally different, All-Star Superman and End of Days, but I, I liked them both a lot. And yes, yeah, so as we get closer to the end, the seventh issue ends with a big fight between like some hand ninjas and Punisher and Ben Urich is there and then Daredevil swoops in to take Ben Urich out of the way except once the fighting's done Daredevil goes back and finds Ben Urich and he's been sh- he's been shot I think he's taken an arrow and he dies um and it's really really sad because like I say Ben Urich is a character I love uh, but then the revelation comes of who the new Daredevil is. Um, and I have to say, I felt quite proud of myself that I called this maybe a couple of issues earlier because Ben's son, Timmy, is walking around with a red Letterman jacket with a D on the side. And just knowing what little I knew about those characters, that that he was present in the first Bendis and Mac story, I thought, oh, wouldn't that be a lovely, as a writer, to go, hey, you know, this character we introduced in our first, in our first issue as like a, you know, scared little nine, ten year old boy. What if now he has grown up to become Daredevil's protege? And that is what happens. And so it's this really tragic scene where Timmy, after just having become Daredevil, the one person he wants to protect is his father and his father is the first person that dies. And Timmy has also, as new Daredevil, been killing people. And he is, there is a point in an earlier issue, which is the, the kind of the point where I, I thought I got it, where, again, Ben reiterates how, it, how important it is that heroes don't kill, and that's why the new Daredevil cannot possibly be Matt Murdock. And so the final issue kind of concerns Timmy getting to grips with the fact that he's now Daredevil and his father's dead, and trying to conclude the investigation into Matt that his dad was doing, um, whilst also trying to figure out what it is to be Daredevil. Uh, And the first couple of pages are great. J. Jonah Jameson reads Ben's final article about Daredevil at his funeral, and all of the heroes that didn't turn up for Matt's funeral turn up for Ben Urich's because he's so respected, and... Timmy goes for a drink with Spider-Man in the last issue to talk about talk about his dad and about Daredevil because Timmy and Timmy is then trying to finally get to the bottom of the Mapone mystery for his father but obviously he knows a little bit more because he has been trained by Daredevil in the recent past to become his protege to become the new Daredevil and eventually Nick Fury turns up and says actually he knew what Mapone was all along Timmy spurns that information and then there's some weird stuff and I, I like I'll be honest this this is the mystery bit that I really couldn't get on board with plot wise that I was a bit like huh okay because I think the Timmy reveal works so well I was willing it to be the revelation of who, who the new Daredevil was and it was him and it works perfectly Mapone is eventually revealed to be a daughter of Matt Murdock and Natasha Romanova and she is also blind but she seems to have some kind of superpowers of her own and the intimation is that not only is she the daughter of Matt and Natasha but that also she is kind of like a reincarnation of Stick <laughs> which was which was a lot of information and I don't really feel like all the other hints in the comic were leading towards Mapone being a person or that it was anything that you could have logically got to on your own or it didn't really strike me as something that Matt should have felt guilty about. So it wasn't something that he felt guilt about. It didn't strike me as something that should have meant anything to Bullseye. Again, I could be missing stuff because I don't know the whole the whole Daredevil backstory. But 
yeah, I thought it was kind of tangential. And also because it seems like as we're going through the comics, every female character that Ben goes and meets, so when he goes and meets Elektra, or when he goes and meets Echo or Typhoid Mary, they all seem to have red-headed children intimated to be probably the children of Daredevil. So I wasn't sure why his child with Black Widow should be so much more important or so much more shocking. So that was my only slight qualm with the comic, um, and I will be talking this through a lot with um, Seb and James, because I'm very interested to talk about this with people who have also read it and what their take on it was. So, I mean, if you've read End of Days and you've got a take on that ending please tweet at me tweet at cinematic universe or me personally on twitter because i'd uh, i'd love to have more conversations about this but i mean that that slight slight qualm at the end doesn't really do much to diminish how much i liked these eight issues i really loved them the um covers were even really affecting you get um covers which feature the death poses of a bunch of daredevil characters so you get daredevil Kingpin, Elektra, Bullseye, Punisher, Black Widow, and I think Typhoid Mary, I think, um, all those characters dead at at their own particular end of days. And yeah, it was was all really powerful stuff, and I hugely enjoyed this. Um, And it only makes me more excited to go back and continue reading the Bendis run on daredevil and then hopefully what i will do is revisit end of days once i've read the whole thing and see whether it see whether it means anything more to me then but i'm very glad that i'd read the first story with timmy and before i read this that was hugely beneficial um but that is it for this week don't forget that the next episode of cinematic universe will be covering 1990s teenage mutant ninja turtles if you are enjoying the show then please do subscribe on itunes stitcher player fm or your podcast app of choice. And if you've already subscribed, then please leave us a rating or or review and we'll give you a shout out on next week's show. Um, And that will be on next week's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles show. So get your reviews in now and you will get a shout out next week. You can find more episodes of Cinematic Universe on cinematicuniverse.libsyn.com, panelbeats.co.uk, or as we're a Film Divider podcast at filmdivider.com. You can get in touch via Facebook, on Twitter at cu underscore podcast, or send us an email to cinematicuniversepod at gmail.com. See you next week.